Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Health and Wellness Podcast, Let Beauty Guide You, with your host, Chelsea Keen. I am absolutely, totally excited to talk to the lovely Reva Wild today. She is an erotic embodiment and radical relationship coach. And we are going to talk about living a sexy and shameless life. Welcome, Reva. Thank you so much, Chelsea. And that sounds juicy. I'm in. Let's go. Yes, it's so (laughs) juicy. All right. So to give everyone a little background on who Reva is, Reva Wild is an erotic embodiment and radical relationship coach with a BA in sexuality, relationship, and family studies. Coming from six years of experience as a teacher of yoga, embodied dance, shaking medicine, as well as contact improv, Reva offers a deeply somatic approach to her transformational experiences in sacred sexuality and transforming body shame. Influenced by her trainings in energy work and Reiki mastery, as well as her trauma literacy, her ceremonies incorporate and include the visceral lived experiences of being human with pain, a body, emotions, and stories with the esoteric and mythical beyond. I'm so curious about that. (laughs) Which activates our ecstatic life current. A playful and wild creature, she brings a powerful aliveness and spark to her clients and community while rooting in a grounded presence beyond judgment, shame, guilt, and blame. She currently resides in Zununa. Is is that how you pronounce it? It's Zununa. Oh, Zununa. Yeah. (laughs) Adeline offering her coaching and erotic embodiment immersive experiences. So, oh my God, welcome, Rita. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I haven't had that read back to me before. And it's like, oh yes, these are all of the magical, juicy things that I get to do with my aliveness. And so do other people when they tap into that. So it's just exciting to hear that uh, reflected back. <laughs> it is very exciting. And I've got to tell you, I woke up this morning and I was like to myself, okay, hey. <laughs> You have a podcast appointment with this wonderful woman named Reva Wild, and you're going to talk about living a sexy and shameless life. And I was like, oh my God, I love my life. (laughs) I can't believe that's what I'm doing with my Friday morning. (laughs) Yes. All right. So to get started, um, getting grounded in the definitions here and and what we're working with, I would love to hear from, from your perspective, what is erotic embodiment? And what is body shame? Ooh, good questions. So I'll go with body shame first. Mm -hmm. Body shame is that experience that so many of us have been taught to have around our bodies, especially different parts of our bodies that we've been taught that their size, their shape, their color, their texture, a part of this body that we live in is wrong or bad. Mm-hmm. And these stories, the story of my body is wrong or bad, comes from our cultural story of what is right and wrong and good and bad. And that's been happening for 
gosh, thousands of years that we've been caught in a mindset of there's a right way and a wrong way to have a body, to be a woman, to be a human. Yeah. And it creates this story of the, the right, the good, the thing that we're all wanting to be like, how many of us want to be good, want our bodies to be good and to be right. We get caught in the story that's been given to us that there's something wrong with us because the the margin or the box that fits the right and the good is so small mm-hmm. it's so small it doesn't actually even exist kind of the beauty standard we've been given doesn't even actually exist even the models or the women that we've been taught fit these stories of beauty are photoshopped and changed and manipulated through something that was once a beautiful art form that has now also turned into this way of perpetuating a story of what bodies are good and wrong, right and bad. Yeah, it brings us into that space of feeling shame, which is the interpersonal emotion that's connected to, am I going to get kicked out of my community Am I going to be valued by my community or am I going to be like harmed by my community for being who I am? That's what shame comes up for. Mm -hmm. Shame comes up as this, like essentially this protector between us and being rejected from the places, the people or the experiences that we want more than anything. Shame comes up when you see that really attractive human being who you are super excited to flirt with, but also terrified to flirt with. And the shame is what kind of comes up when we have this story or idea and like body shame specifically of I'm not enough. My body isn't enough. This part is too much. That part is too much. This part is too small. This part is too big. And it creates that kind of continuation of disconnecting us from what we deeply desire and deeply want Mm -hmm. through the process of the world or at least like our culture around beauty that's been created telling us that we're not enough and in order to be enough you have to look like this impossible story that doesn't even exist like we can't like none of us can actually change ourselves into that story and that standard because it doesn't exist Yes, And the shame comes up any time that we feel like we're supposed to fit that story or that standard to fall in love, to flirt, to get the job that we're really wanting, to wear things that we think would look beautiful, but it wouldn't look beautiful on me. And sometimes we've experienced that shame through bullying, through the way that our parents talked about their bodies or our bodies. Oftentimes it's our moms talking about their own bodies. And what we experienced when we were little that impacts our experience of body shame and how we experience our bodies as being wrong or bad or not enough. And when the major story within the media is about slimness, then any human being that has any iota of fat on their body feels shame about it. Mm-hmm. To the point where even, and many of my clients who have worked with eating disorders, where they're experiencing themselves in like what we would categorize as a slim body or a, a, a small body, 
they're still having this story perpetually play in their head because culture put it there of I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm unworthy. And where we've connected and put all of those pieces together. And where the reclaiming or the shifting or the inviting of something different comes in from my perspective and in my deepest power for myself and for my clients is through the next piece, which is erotic embodiment. And that is the embodiment, like the coming into the deeply lived experience of the sensations and emotions that are inside your body and your beingness from the erotic life current, because you literally came from sex. Yes. <laughs> and so did everyone else. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're all here. Exactly. Yet talking about sex is so taboo. Like, I can't even write the word sex on Instagram or Facebook without them completely hiding everything that I've posted. It's so it. bizarre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it's other bizarre. word to say that that is. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the reasons I would imagine why we have so much wounding around sexuality is because it's where we come from, yet it's the place that's the most hidden and distorted from us in history. There's been so much shame put on bodies, put on sexuality, put on especially women's bodies and the bodies that like birth babies and like the messiness, the bloodiness, the like deep power that we have in being the potential vessels of life. And for many of us, it becomes a choice to become a vessel of life, like the power to bring a being into the world is magnificent, yet it's something we're not taught to notice. Hmm. It's something that we're not taught to be with in a beautiful way. Sexuality often gets cast into this light of like consumerism like kind of like a taking energy and not from like a juicy way of like I want to ravish you I want to take you but Mm. from a space of kind of like non-consensually taking energy from the erotic and from the feminine and also this kind of like thread of tension with sexuality of the parts of us that want to connect in that way that are excited to connect in a sexy way, in a delicious way, in an erotic way, but that we're stopped from engaging in the power of those kinds of connections with each other through the stories of how we're supposed to flirt, how sex is supposed to go, what I'm supposed to experience or not experience. And then you add in that where religiously sex isn't something that we talk about and it's only for people who are married. Mm. And then you have, and that story is still perpetuated in a lot of spaces and a lot of intensity, even though there's like our generations are growing up realizing, actually, this could be a lot more free and playful, (laughs) but that's still a part of the experience Absolutely, that we're taught. And then you add in that from there, like sexualized bodies are posted in the media everywhere. And there's this like this kind of like push and pull energy in the media and in our culture of like sex is bad and wrong. We don't talk about it. It's for private. You don't like, this isn't, you didn't shh with 
kind of like women as sexual objects in our media and in our art forms everywhere. Mm -hmm. So there's this taboo energy around it that keeps us from feeling safe going into the erotic embodiment, which is like living from the place of recognizing that my body is built for sensation and connection and comes from the energy of sexuality, making me possible, making animals possible, making plants possible, like that kind of interaction that we understand at the core level to be sexual energy is playing out with everything on earth. Yeah. It's the source, the source of everything. Mm-hmm. It comes from that like cosmic mother energy mm-hmm. of it comes from the ground. It comes from the earth and our body is also an extension or there's an understanding that our body is an extension of the earth and a part of this ecosystem. And if this ecosystem continues and thrives through sex and sexuality, then the life current and aliveness in us can be connected in um, symbiosis. Maybe that's not the word that I want with like the synonym of like life force and erotic force or sexual energy and life force energy potentially being the same thing. We've just been so stripped of the way that meditation or eating delicious food or going swimming or playing wildly and feeling free enough to play wildly, whether it's with lovers or friends or on an ecstatic dance floor, whenever those open up again, (laughs) to be able to be with that ecstatic, erotic, connective life force is what embodying our erotic or being erotically embodied is. Beautiful. Yeah. Just so can I, what I'm hearing is just feeling so connected to your aliveness and our aliveness is from the source of sex. So we can't talk about our aliveness without talking about our erotic sexual energy in order to be awake and alive. We must be connected to our sexual energy. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So, so when you reached out about doing a podcast, you said to me, I'm specifically interested in talking about living a life that is sexy and shameless. Yes. What does that mean to you? And what does a sexy and shameless life look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that I want to invite whoever's listening to this to ask themselves is what do you imagine your life would look like if you felt sexy? Mm. If you felt genuinely attractive as a human being, if you felt deeply beautiful in your way of moving, eating, dancing, playing, working, communicating, And we're bringing like your juiciness to it, your sexiness to it. What would your life look like? Because I can tell you that like my life living sexy and shameless means that like I'm doing this interview in my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know what? I had a feeling you would. (laughs) I was like, maybe I should show up in my underwear too. (laughs) 
if you want to do, you could. We're not too late. The interview is not over. Your life is not over. You can still choose yeah. whatever makes yeah. you feel sexy at any moment. Mm-hmm. And that's really the core of it. Like the pieces of my life are, I show up in the world dressed the way that I deeply want to and inviting my connection to like the sacred life force that is sexuality to guide me in what would make me feel soft what would make me feel fierce what would make me feel a little bit naughty and maybe it's one of those flavors maybe it's all of those flavors in one that's always fun Uh, but to invite my wardrobe and what I'm wearing to be an extension or an expression of my sexuality It also comes into how I touch my body and think and talk about my body, both in my own mind and also like when I'm showering, when I'm swimming, when I'm dancing, when I'm just walking from one place to the other and I'm not even thinking about it most of the time. But the moment I think I have a body bringing appreciation to like the sensory input that's already happening in my body that enjoys walking and enjoys that I have breasts that sometimes get like cold when it's cold outside and then my nipples get all <laughs> Those kinds of things. And there's a Absolutely. lot of stories and potentially even in the listeners, like the shame coming up, like, oh my God, she said nipples. Oh my God, I my nipples get cold and kind of feel weird and good. And, uh, no, no. Ah. And <laughs> it's so human for us to experience joy and pleasure from the simple experiences of being in our body. Like how many humans love eating? Almost all of us. Yeah. I love eating. It's giving. (laughs) Yeah. And because it invites pleasure into another sense, the deepest piece about living the sexy part of sexy and shameless is going into all of your senses and inviting in pleasure, as well as being with what is real in the moment. So the sexy piece for me comes both with, I'm inviting pleasure into my experience, even when I'm grieving, Hmm. even when I'm in like intense anger, even when I'm frustrated, I see if I can have one hand open to where is their pleasure in the sensation or the experience of being human. And sometimes it means digging underneath those emotions to see what are they caring about. And at the end of the day, I have a belief system and I trust that all of my emotions are caring deeply about me being safe or me being free. And underneath that is them desiring for me to feel loved. Wow. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so much to... uh unpack there I mean yeah (laughs) totally what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing is you know um part of living a sexy and shameless life is being in the present moment and bringing the art of aliveness to everything that you do. And from that space, you can receive pleasure and look at things even amidst frustration, anger, grief. You can see um, kind of a larger creative picture. And, Mm -hmm. And that creative element is connected to our 
erotic energy, which is like, we are here because of erotic energy and creation. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I did a poetry class yes, last mm. night. So I'm like in this like poetic space. <laughs> I'm, like, mm. I'm, hearing, yeah. I'm hearing everything through that lens, but yeah, that, that's, that's, um, a beautiful way to live. I think, uh, living like, uh, life is art and dancing through life and experiencing joy and pleasure, uh, through our bodies. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, how does body shame stop us from living an erotically empowered life? And what can we do to get beyond body shame? You know, we talked about embodying, um, you know, pleasure and, and we talked about the stories, but when, when we are in that space of awareness, how do we get beyond it even from there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're in a space where you're already noticing like where body shame is coming up, you'll probably also start to notice what is it in relationship with? Is body shame coming up with me when I'm getting dressed in the morning? Is it related to clothes and how I'm feeling in clothing? Is it happening when I've had experiences before of uh, like seeing someone who's really attractive and then my entire beingness feeling ashamed of my body and then like trying to like very much ignore them while also wishing they'd come over to talk with me, but like ignoring them, never looking at them or like stealing glances and looking away very quickly to make sure they didn't notice me. (laughs) It's to start to like be deeper in deeper awareness and deeper noticing of where does this body shame come up? From there, the most powerful tool in alchemizing body shame in getting beyond body shame is to go underneath body shame and start to kind of like dig through the layers of how body shame will show up as this voice that's often um, very um, like diminishing of ourselves that's um, degrading, that has a lot of like painful name calling connected to it often. And ask this question to shame. Like imagine that like shame is like a being or for me, like shame is a goddess. And this is a powerful shift. Like shame is like a protective goddess. And when I ask, what are you caring about? What are you desiring? when I can get underneath to ask this part of me, like, what is it trying to protect me from? Hmm. What is it trying to like care about? And it's using these tactics, this kind of like manipulative, icky feeling. I feel awful in my body kind of feeling to protect me from going forward. What is it trying to save me from? And chances are, if you ask that question to shame, when she's coming up or take some space today, if you're listening to this and to have a conversation with shame, invite her into the conversation as if she's a person and a part of your experience and to ask these questions. Cause chances are underneath you will find that shame is trying to protect you from rejection nine out of 10 times. Mm. Yeah. Shame protect from hurt. Yes. And whether it's the kind of like shame that comes up in relationship to like our bodies and like, I won't fall in love if like this happens, 
Like if I get rejected from this person that I'm flirting with, then I'm never going to fall in love and it's never going to be okay. And shame, like tracking all that and being like, oh, if it's never going to be okay, if you're rejected by this human, then we shall never, ever, ever flirt with them or go into a situation where we can be rejected. And this will be the same thing that will apply to us going after our dream careers. This will be the same with like us choosing to lean into practices that we really love, that really support us in our life. Like that's how like shame herself shows up. And it will stop us from going for what we really desire to experience in life. And especially those things that are just like calling us. Like the things that call our hearts, that call us deeper into our experience, that are calling us out into the world. Body shame will come up as the, no, you can't handle being rejected from this thing that you want so much more than anything that we're never going to go towards it. Yeah, I um, I don't know if you know this, but I've developed um, a body love program Ooh. to um, empower uh, people. You know, anyone really deals with this, but empower people to deal with body image image concerns powerfully. And mm-hmm. uh, I love what you said because you know, in my program, I'm still I'm still developing and 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 finalizing everything right now, but. In my program, one of the most powerful exercises, I think, is the if-then exercise. And it's all about discovering what is the real fear behind any of your critical self-talk, which uh, comes out in the form of body shame in in this context, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I had blue hair, (laughs) then I would be more confident. Sexy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I was more confident, then I could ask this guy out. If I asked this guy out, then I would have a relationship. If I had a relationship, then I might feel like I belonged. If I belonged, then I would feel loved. And then so inside of that exercise of if then, it's like it's uncovering the layers of what's actually going on. And once you're actually faced with what the real fear is, that's where you can, you know, step in and, and alter the course of, of um, limiting beliefs that are stopping you, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's um, so art- beautifully articulated by you. And, and thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that because I think that's yeah. a really powerful one right because we the ego mind is like always looking for the external justification for the what's wrong conversation right and we look towards the immediate self which happens to be our bodies (laughs) it's like that's just that's just like the external justification for our mind going in in a fear-based um position right so so yeah um and along with that, I, want, I also wanted to ask you um, is that you mentioned we hold stories around beauty that trap us and get in the way of experiencing true connection and aliveness. Can you say a little bit more about that? I know we we're kind of touching on it now, but um, can you say more about that? Yes, of course. Like we've been passed down, especially as women 
stories of what is beautiful for a very long time. And something that's interesting is that over time, these like, like what we valued as beautiful has changed drastically. And also from culture to culture, it's different. Mm. Like I am a curvaceous, gorgeous fat woman. Uh, I'm still in the realm of like reclaiming fat as a word that's like, just like a descriptor of different experiences that we have of our bodies. And there's a lot of shame that's around that word in Western cultures. Mm -hmm. But when I meet (laughs) gorgeous human beings from Africa, I've had partners. (laughs) When I had a partner who was from uh, Zambia, he was always trying to feed me more food. And he was always like, you're so beautiful and luscious and curvy. And I, I want more. Can I feed you more? <laughs> I, I just, I, like, I don't want to pressure. I just, I just, oh, you're so delicious. I want more. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. And this was an understanding from like the culture that he grew up in is that bodies that are curvaceous, bodies that are large, bodies that are fat, are healthy, mm-hmm. are rich, yeah. are valuable so we get these beauty stories that are different around the world that have been different across time and depending on what time you landed in you were struggling with kind of like the different body image that was proposed then a lot of folks who were teenagers in the 80s 90s during the like tiny like the when models became like magnificently tiny when we came out of kind of the world of like Marilyn Monroe being a very like average size even kind of like small bodied being but was curvy and kind of like like in like a deep space of um health from what we were tracking around like the models of her time it shifted to like deep forms of anorexia and now so many human beings who are women who are born during the time where that was the beauty standard who are anything beyond a size zero, which is also a ridiculous way to understand bodies and beings is with numbers and with like value systems associated with those numbers. But with human beings that are very tiny, um, where like their bodies need more nutrients and that's a part of like their bodies being this right now, that was considered the story of what beauty is. So when we have stories in beauty that aren't actually reflective of wellness, thriving, aliving, how's your heart doing? Both like emotionally, but also like, how's your physical heart doing? Does it need different nutrients? Does it need different pieces of support or movement to feel better? And the same with kind of like all of your body systems. We're not looking at our health and wellness and whether we're valuable and whether our bodies are valuable from a place of like caring about how can I help this space in me hold my aliveness deeper? It goes back to the beauty story. And when we can start to recognize that this entire beauty story is a fable (laughs) that like, 97% or more of the population has kind of like fed into this story of like, this is the beauty standard. But then what comes with that is that therefore I'm not enough. 
it distorts what beauty really is, which is the sensation of being alive in connection with the art that is life. With the art that is flowers blooming and rivers flowing, of trees growing and babies laughing, of the fact that we are a tiny magnificent speck that was once stardust in this magnificent universe, yet we're also deeply valuable and important, especially to the people who we're connected with, that our beauty is both in the edge of our nose and the curve of our belly, the softness and strength of our thighs, but also how much we care for baby elephants and baby tigers and baby puppies Mm -hmm. (laughs) and humanity and food systems, like that part of us that wants for everyone to have food and to be fed and to be well. For everyone to have access to love and healthcare and the magic that is them. All of that feeling, sensation is beautiful and is beauty. And when we can shift this idea of a beauty standard to a beauty experience, that's when a huge shift can come into our experiences of our bodies and each other. And to be in this space of really seeing when someone is lit up with their magic and with their life. And also when someone isn't. And to be in that space of being able to continue to beam out our aliveness, to invite the aliveness and the embodied aliveness of others to start to excuse me, to start to radiate the beauty that we all are and to create a completely different story of how we can live together as humans. Yeah. It's like we made everything up so we can make up something else. You know, it's all Definitely. the story, the ugly story. It's all made up and it's all meaningless and we can just create something else. Like, and what I find interesting too is, um, you know, you're talking about beauty as an experience. And the really interesting thing is, you know, as you know, this podcast is called Let Beauty Guide You. Mm-hmm. And when I, whenever I ask, ask my guests at the end, you know, what are three ways you let beauty guide you in life? It's like nine times out of 10, everyone knows exactly what I mean. Like they don't conceptualize beauty as this like external physical thing. They start talking about, oh, the sky. Like sometimes the sky, I just notice the sky and it's like totally takes my breath away. Or like, you know, the innocence of my child or dancing to music, you know, like everyone on some level is super clear that beauty is not just like what our body looks like or, you know, there's just so many dimensions to it. So yeah, I just, I, I love what you said there. So thank Mm. you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you tell us a little more about your somatic approach to your transformational teachings regarding (laughs) sacred sexuality and transforming body shame? Yeah. And somatic is really simple in the sense that it's this understanding of like going into the body's sensation and experience to 
access more of what's alive for us. There's um, an experience or understanding that trauma and pain, as well as like our stories of like joy or our access routes to pleasure live within the body. Our, like our body is like this living story of our life and how we feel about our life and our body are like super interconnected. So when we're working with sacred sexuality or connecting with this understanding that our desires are turn on our fluids, our genitals, our bodies are instruments of this like beautiful orgasmic current of life. And that that's sacred, that's important, that's valuable. When we bring it back into the body. So the somatic approach just means that we bring it deeper into the body's experience and invite kind of like shaking, dancing, movement, emotional release um, strategies where we're like screaming into pillows, letting our body shake, letting ourselves have tantrums and letting the emotional body that's within this physical body, really move this body mm. and let the movement and experience of our body guide and influence our experience of our sexuality more than say the stories that are external to us. So it invites a more kind of like inside out approach to shifting and transforming a lot of the shames and fears that we have around sexuality when oftentimes like sexuality holds so much of our desire as well. Like we want to have juicy sex as human beings, probably like 95% of us desire that. <laughs> like we want to have, I don't know anyone sex. who doesn't like who would say no. <laughs> I also don't know any people, but I've heard of them. They come on the internet and apparently they call them trolls, but there's, <laughs> there's this, almost global experience of wanting to have sex feel juicy and hot and exciting and connective and have all of the little elements that make us feel like excited and warm and fuzzy inside whether it's I really really want to be fed strawberries and have sex or I kind of want spankings or I would love it if we did this elaborate role play where we dress up and pretend we're different characters and like get it on from that <laughs> Also, just be like, I love receiving a foot massage first and just feeling really like connected and grounded in my body as we have sex. But that that desire is deeply welcome, where oftentimes we're met once again by shame. This story of if this is what I deeply want, I'm bad or wrong. Therefore, I'll feel bad about it and never actually lean into the expression of sexuality that I want to experience because it's just oodled and riddled with shame. But when we can bring ourselves into our own bodies and really feel, what does it feel like to be turned on and to invite turn on? What does it feel like to feel shut down, to have like our defense mechanisms popping up being like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> because they're trying to protect us and how can I move play shift and also deeply be with these parts of me because a lot of our challenges and our experiences of being human in any aspect and also very specifically with body shame and connecting with our sexuality is like deeply being with what we're feeling and not trying to escape it or diminish it or just hurry ourselves along beyond it. 
but to really sit and be with that part of us that's feeling that, that once again, underneath probably deeply cares about your safety or your freedom. And under that is caring about you feeling the love that you are and that is in the world. Wow. Yes. <laughs> just saying, was that yes. where I was supposed to say mic drops? Is that is that how they use that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yes. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I mean, there's so much I could say, and you said it perfectly. Um yes. <laughs> I I love what you're up to. I think it's so important moving energy through the body and experiencing, actually being in the experience of experience. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> really, really stepping into being. I mean, we do. We spend so much time in yang energy doing and even when when we're really able to connect to beingness and the in the yin bringing even the yin energy to our actions um anyways i could just go on and on about this forever i don't really know how to like shape this or articulate it but just yes <laughs> um, what we're feeling yes is- Yes. Deeply yes. powerful and also sometimes lovingly challenging. Yeah. Uh, so I can imagine that resonance of, oh, right, when I just feel what I'm feeling, suddenly it's not stopping me from living the life that I actually want to live. It's actually a part of the life I want to live and works as fuel and ignition for me continuing in the direction of beauty, of love, of erotic play, of connection, of what is really meaningful in our experience of being alive and being human. And, um, you know, to, to bring that together, like that, that kind of otherness energy, you also talk about the esoteric and mythical beyond. So can you say more about how living an erotically empowered life and connecting to love and beingness and your emotions and everything, how that relates to the esoteric and mythical beyond? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the esoteric and the mythical beyond is connecting us with this kind of like realm beyond physicality that lives in story. Like story is so much of what makes up our experience of, say, um, the chakra system, which is both like within our body, but is also an energetic pulse sensory kind of beyond what we can pinpoint physically in the body or around the body. Same with like the stories that we experience of where we've come from or where we're going. These are pieces of our experience of being alive that makes it deeply meaningful. And that's why connecting with the esoteric or the sense of there being like a divine order or divine energy or source of this experience that we're having connects us and roots us deeper into the meaning of our lives. The esoteric also connects us into like the history 
of people feeling into and trying to articulate the unknown that's around us at all times. That's in every moment. Like you don't know what I'm going to say next. And sometimes nor do I. (laughs) And that we're building. (laughs) And that we're building an unknown together. And when we play in the realm of bringing in bigger mythical stories, like the hero's journey or uh, detangle pieces of like Persephone's descent into the underworld, when we pull from even like Little Red Riding Hood, when we pull from like the extensive stories of mythos that's around us, We can connect deeper into the meaning of what's happening in like my life, my personal journey, my adventure, and take the gems and the lessons and the medicine from story. Because story story isn't bad or wrong or right or good. However, it holds deep power Mm -hmm. in the fact that our lives are living stories. Stories is just a way of connecting uh, a character with a flow of events and life that goes through arcs of kind of what we call beginning, middle, and end. And our lives are a living story. We are living a story. And the story keeps emerging like the choose your own adventure books from (laughs) your choices. Yeah. So when we can connect with stories from the mythical realm, in a way that invites deeper meaning into our lives, whether it's the story that Isis, the great mother goddess is holding me, or right now I'm experiencing challenges that Lilith is bringing up because she's saying, I need to connect with my dark sexuality and I'm scared. Whatever it is that's coming up in that kind of, how do I connect with the expression or experience of the universe beyond me? is powerful and important and meaningful. So when we're going into kind of like the energetics of sexuality and sexual exchange, when we're playing with other human beings, when we're tapping into the frequencies of different kinds of emotional embodiments, when we're flirting, when we're playing, when we're looking at a flower, there are different ways that that can feel connected with this great mystery. Another word for kind of the mythical beyond is the mystery of life and what's unfolding and being deeper and deeper with not knowing Mm -hmm. the things that we feel and experience and things that we know, but also with the unknown which is always pulling us closer and closer and closer. Like we're always kissing the unknown in our experience. We're always just on the edge of knowing and not knowing and being able to integrate that sense of being a part of something more than just us and being able to be with the stories that resonate deep truth into our being is why and a part of how it's important to integrate the different esoteric tools like transcendental meditation, orgasmic meditation, um, shaking medicine, these different, and plant medicines even can be a part of integrating this unknown and a part of being deeper with ourselves in a powerful way. 
cacao is my favorite plant medicine for this, for kind of going deep into the body and also being expanded into this like loving space of feeling like what's beyond what I've learned to know is here. Hmm. And that may sound a little out there, but the moment you go into the mythical beyond and the esoteric, you get a little bit more out of the embodied experience. But when you can bring the gems and the stars from that universe beyond into this moment and track the deep value of coming from like over 10,000 wombs and the choices made by hundreds of thousands, even potentially millions of people led to you being alive and being here listening to this and being a part of this conversation right now. The fact that there have been various different indigenous communities around the world that have experienced like miraculous healings or connections to the wild and tracking animals in a way that seems otherworldly to us. Yes. That there is a perceptible universe beyond what we've been taught is easily perceptible, like the desk in front of me or my fingers on my hands. And that our connection to that as humans brings so much meaning. And when we feel disconnected from that, it often strips our life of feeling meaningful and purposeful. Mm -hmm. And that it's from that place of meaning of this is important to me. And this is important in general to life, aliveness, source, what's happening in being human. I have the most power in my choices to align with a life that feels erotically rich that feels juicy, that invites me deeper into my being and my feeling, and also has me sharing that with other human beings that are important and valuable to me. Wow. Well, you certainly embody your work and you live this beautiful, delicious, luscious life in and. Yeah, it's it's just really um you're you're walking the walk. It's really inspiring that you are being your work and you are connecting to that that mysterious element that um brings so much aliveness, joy, pleasure and uh feeling into life. So, I acknowledge mm-hmm. you for that. And Riva, of course, last but not least, Yes. What are three ways you let beauty guide you in life? Oh. Mm. <laughs> okay, this one's fun. This one's fun. <laughs> so the first thing that I do is I let my pussy guide me. Ooh. I let my genitals, my vulva, my vagina, this mm. really beautiful temple playground space of my beingness and my body guide my choices, where I go, what dinner I have, um, what clothes I put on. I let that energy in me that is just like completely wired for pleasure lead my life. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Woohoo. And another way that I let beauty guide me is by following the threads of pleasure in my experience. So I imagine pleasure like this kind of like trickle of water to like a like 
overwhelming waterfall, depending on what level of pleasure I'm experiencing at that time. And following that in my work, in what clothes I put on, in like the different aspects of my life, like inviting pleasure in allows me to really follow and be with beauty. Mm. Inviting last- pleasure in. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not forcing pleasure in. You're going to feel pleasure now, but inviting it in. That's really specific. And then the last piece is I touch myself like a Mm. lot and not just like, you know, like self-pleasure touch, but like self-pleasure touch, like touching my shoulders and my wrists and my neck and my face and offering myself massage and to invite like the beauty that is sensation to be a part of my everyday experience of being here. Because arguably and honestly and almost obviously, I'm only going to be here for a specific amount of time. <laughs> As yes. is everyone. Mm-hmm. And choosing. In like this the- experience, yes. <laughs> yes. There are also beyond and different and different people have different belief systems around that. I'm still... Yeah in the unknown around that. I was like, I have no idea what's next. I'm just here for the ride. Who knows? But I know at least that I'm only going to be in this body with this type of experience as this loving, caring, beautiful, oh my gosh, loves the world and baby tigers and orcas and humans and food systems and flowers so much person Mm -hmm. for this amount of time. That's also unknown. And choosing to touch this body and be in a loving, caressing relationship with my body is a huge piece of what lets beauty guide me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Yes. I, this is audio only, but my hands are up. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Like in my, like I told you, I'm a Nia teacher and um, a a big part of Nia too is, is intentionally fitting time into class where there's loving touch and that sensation. And it's so simple. And yet it just like, it makes such a big difference. I can't even really put it in words, but it's just that loving touch and just, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging being and self and just presence. I don't know. It's, it's, it's beautiful. So yes. Thank you so much. Sorry. Uh, Oh, and combining that with dance magic is just like, Oh yeah. Candy delicious mangoes on top of macadamia gelato with like just a little bit of cinnamon on top. Like so good. I know. Oh my gosh. I just made a pina colada with cinnamon this morning. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Just like that. Just like that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Reva. I really, really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing really um, from presence and your full energy and your full power. What a cool experience to chat with you. And if our listeners are interested in working with you, learning from you, how can they find you? Yes. So one of the easiest ways to find me right now is on Instagram at erotic embodied and also eroticembodied.com shall be coming out within the next 
like it's going to be so close. So by the moment that <laughs> you're listening to this, it will be live because it's happening today. So Ooh, you can congrats. check me out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would love to see you in any of my free master classes. I have a sexy and shameless master class that'll be happening pretty regularly now as well. I have created the self pleasure playground for a monthly immersive experience of dance, uh, some teaching around how to like really be with our body and to invite the orgasmic current. Don't worry. We turn the cameras off, but it's a really powerful way if you're wanting to activate your self pleasure practice. And if you find yourself just kind of like either getting off or not being able to, or struggling with the whole thing, or like just wanting a deeper and juicier experience of yourself and your body and to move through like body love, but also get to touch yourself, join me in that space. And you can find that at the website as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. So good. Such good stuff. And oh, so luscious and juicy. Thank you so much, Reva. I really appreciate you coming on the Let Beauty Guide You podcast. And I can't wait to follow your journey and and keep in touch and and all that good stuff. So thank you. Mm, I so appreciate you. And thank you so much for creating this space for all of us to have a conversation around letting the beauty of life guide us deeper into ourselves and to connect with each other. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Yes. Yes. That's the goal. We're all here for Uh it. (laughs) It's happening. It's already happening. It's happening. Big thank you to all you listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening to Let Beauty Guide You. My name is Chelsea Keen, and you were just listening to Reva Wild. If you'd like to connect with her, you can find her on Instagram at Erotic Embodied. And she also has a website, eroticembodied.com. And all this information will be in the episode details. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.